is considerable doubt. Thus, in my role as a British citizen and someone who has studiously learned nothing from the trail of failed relationships behind me, it is an honour and a contractual obligation to read Nick Hornby's introduction to you now, due to his inability or unwillingness to bother to turn up and read it himself. At the time of writing, I have been happily married for 13 months to a woman I have been living with for eight years. Thanks to the audiobook you are currently listening to, the implications of this are now clear to me. Not only have I learned nothing whatsoever for the best part of a decade, but also the things I did learn are beginning to fade disastrously from the mind, in much the same way that the five or six facts gleaned from my formal education have almost disappeared. I used to pride myself on being able to remember three of the Chartist's six demands, but the three, I now realise, have become one. Universal suffrage. Although that must have been a big one, right? The other five were surely all minor disgruntlements by comparison. No, instead, this reconciles me to the future, when I've messed this marriage up and I'm back on the single circuit, aged 59, say, or 67, or 82. The success of institutions like the University of the Third Age demonstrates that our thirst for learning remains unquenched, even in our twilight years. It's perhaps best not to analyse too closely what exactly it is that these writers have gleaned from their romantic mishaps. Andy Selsberg, for example, has clasped to his bosom the lesson that holding grudges is fun. Well, duh! What did he think relationships were for? Mutual support? Raising children? Looking after each other in old age? How old are you, Andy? And Dan Savage found out that he wasn't interested in women at all. This is all useful stuff, but one can see that anyone doubtful about the intellectual value of romantic trauma might still need a little more evidence of its efficacy. What strikes one about these essays is that many of the authors seem to have found contentment in their relationships since, and there is a suggestion implicit in the book's title that through dumping came wisdom, and through wisdom, domestic bliss. I'm not so sure. A good, if tasteless, comparison, but one I am allowed to make because of my nationality, is with Londoners during the Blitz. Did bombs stop dropping on us because we had somehow learned to prevent them from dropping? I would argue not. I would argue that other factors, too complicated to go into here, but see Winston Churchill, The Second World War, Volumes 2 and 3 in particular, were responsible. The major but vital contribution of Londoners was their refusal to let their morale be broken by the relentless bombings. And then, one day in May 1941, the Germans took their firepower elsewhere. Well, isn't that it? It seems that the major but vital contribution of men to the war of attrition that takes place between the ages of 13 and about 35, if you're lucky, is our refusal to let our morale be broken. Cheese-eating surrender monkeys would open a packet of char-grilled steak-flavoured peanuts, crawl under our sports-themed duvets and stay there until we were certain that the last sparks of sexuality had withered and died. But we didn't do that, mostly because we were too stupid. We ignored the air raid wardens and ran up and down the streets waving torches. In those formative years, we got creamed, mashed pissed on. I'm speaking figuratively here, but there are of course some people who like that sort of thing, and it's not my intention to judge them. We got told we were stupid, feckless, reckless, scared, boring, unserious, too serious, 
too bookish, nerdy, unattractive, too drunk, too stoned, too sporty, too couch potatoy, too outdoorsy, too political, too insular, too angry, too drippy, too suspicious, too complacent, too ambitious, not ambitious enough, and too poor. I know I got told that anyway. I'll bet you that somebody somewhere got told he was too handsome, too successful, too kind, too thoughtful, and too good in bed. It is only fair to point out that we gave as good as we got during this time. We sent the RAF out there night after night to cheat, lie, and refuse to commit. Most of the people in this book, creative types all, were refused admission on medical grounds, although I suspect the contributors who were in bands were involved in some of the terrible carpet bombing that went on during the 20s. Indeed, some of the zeal shown by our fellow males made some of us feel a little queasy. There were no winners, and there was nobody who could seize the moral high ground. And then, one day, maybe even one day...